Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port here on 970 WDAY. We uh, got a good show for you today. Good afternoon, Atil. How are you? Great. It's starting to warm up finally. There's been Eric Johnson birthday pizza. It's a good day to be in radio. Birthday pizza. Oh, it's too bad you live all the way out in Minot and don't, you know, work here at the station with us. Yeah. I'll think about that the next time I'm working in my underwear. <laughs> okay, that's more information than I wanted. Yeah. That's probably more information than I wanted, but the reality is reality. We're all about the truth here on the Rob Report. We got a good show coming up. Uh, Dustin Payer, he is a gentleman who, um, well, first of all, he's participating in a rally down at the state capitol later this week uh, regarding the medical marijuana situation. We'll talk with him about that. He also wants to run for the United States Senate. So we'll talk with him about that as well. Uh, in just a moment, you can call in 701-293-9000, email talk at wday.com. I also want to ask you a question. Do you feel, and I, I thought Mike McFeely had a great column today, you know, basically saying, let's call it what it is. It's, you know, fiscal mismanagement by Republicans. And I agree with that. I think Republicans messed up. I want to hear what you think. We'll talk about that later in the program uh, as well. But for now, let's go to our guest. Dustin, thanks for your time, sir. How are you? Doing good. All right. First of all, you're, you're saying you're running for Senate. Tell us about that. Why, why are you running for Senate? Uh, well, it's it's about a lot of things, Rob. I mean, I don't know if you have a, enough time for us to go over all that. Um, <laughs> I'm try. running for Senate against Heidi Heidkamp. Um, basically, in my opinion, uh, on the Dem side, we have a really boring primary, and we can't allow that to happen anymore when we have uh, good candidates for governor like uh, Marvin Nelson, and uh, we'll talk about him later. He's going to be at the uh, marijuana reform rally. But, um, yeah, it's, it's about... Um, recognizing that uh, over 60% of a uh, North Dakota caucus for uh, Bernie Sanders on the Dem side. And it's, it, it's about a lot of things, you know, like I say, but we'll, well, I guess we can start with that. Is there something specific about Senator? I mean, cause obviously as a, Repo- as a conservative Heitkamp. guy, Senator Heitkamp, she, you know, she's somebody who um, won by a pretty small margin in 2012, but is the only Democrat in North Dakota to win on the statewide ballot since 2008. Uh, what, what do you, I mean, if, is, is this somebody, why, why, why take her on? I mean, why challenge her? Is there something that she's doing that, that, that you think is wrong? Well, Rob, it's, it's like I say, but, uh, not having a boring primary. Um, another thing this year is I went and testified at the Capitol for, uh, HRC 3008, and that was a campaign finance, uh, reform, uh, call for a state convention of the states to have a limited convention out in Washington to, uh, address the issue of uh, campaign finance. And, you know, when you look into it, you got uh, all three of our senators are, are over the million-dollar mark. You got a uh, another gentleman who wants to jump in as a Republican, and he's going to start off with $2 million. You know, that, that money is not coming from the voters, and when what happens in Washington isn't really reflecting the voters, in my opinion. All right, tell us about this reform rally, because that's, that's the other thing. You're going to announce your candidacy at a rally regarding the, the, the medical marijuana situation. Now, obviously, you know, we had a ballot measure. There was a pretty big flaws with the ballot measure. The legislature took it up. There was a lot of, of controversy over what the legislature was doing to the ballot measure. It seems like I was reading you know, for, from the organizer of the ballot measure, Riley Ray Morgan, he was telling the media, 
he's satisfied with most of the reforms. Obviously, he says he's going to hold their feet to the fire with implementation. Do you see a problem with what's coming out of the legislature on the marijuana issue? Um, yeah, you know, it's it's really not just um, medical marijuana. It's uh, the delayed hemp program. We, we've been trying to get hemp going for over 10 years in this state now. Um, they, they take what the people say. And, you know, when, when you take a, a ballot measure that over 60 percent of the state voted for and uh, in in uh, some of the forums, uh, like the League of Women Voters had a bunch of forums and you got candidates like Dick Dever saying that, well, I don't know about this. And you got uh, Republicans saying that, you know, uh, still considering it a gateway drug. I mean, th- those are issues. And then what they do is they take what the people voted on crossed out every single line. First off, that tells me they didn't even read it. And then second off, um, do their own thing. And then the House Democrats had to fight tooth and nail to try and get it back to what it was. And um, now you have over $100,000 for a permit if you want to be a, uh, a uh, dispensary. You know, And that's only going to form and guarantee that monopolies are going to come in and be able to uh, run the show right out the gate over over. Half the country has medical marijuana. There's tons of businesses that could have came into our state uh, right after the measure was passed and, and helped with the implementation. People that are involved in the, in the uh, industry already, not legislators, which I'm pretty sure that none of them are going to apply uh, to have a job to run this implementation. They're not going to apply to work in a dispensary, you know, but they're going to be the ones that get to control yeah. uh, what these businesses do. Well, I... I... I look at it, and, and listen, I've, I'm 100%, I would just legalize marijuana, period, recreational yeah. use, medical use, whatever you want. That's where I'm at. But I look at that ballot measure because a lot of people say, oh, it was what the people wanted. Well, the people voted for a ballot measure that didn't actually decriminalize medical marijuana. I'm having a hard time looking at that and saying, oh, the people carefully read and vetted this measure when they didn't know that it didn't decriminalize medical marijuana. If the legislature hadn't acted, medical marijuana would be illegal still under the ballot measure that passed. So the legislature had to do something, right? True. And Rick Becker introduced a a decriminalization bill, uh, kind of a weak one, saying that uh, first-time offenders can get a deferred sentence, which happens in a lot of cases anyway. But that could have easily been amended to uh, include the Measure 5 Compassionate Care Act, and they could have you know, like I say, let implementation uh, be taken care of by people who know what they're doing. And then next session, let them come to you and tell them what they need changed, in my opinion. Let's let's switch gears again and talk about the uh, the 2018 Senate race. You, is, is it really just, I mean, do you have any expectation? What, what issues are you going to bring up? Because I, I keep asking you and you say, well, we have a boring primary. So, I mean, are you just getting in just so that there's another name and, and you don't really have an issue with, with how Senator Heitkamp is governed? Um, you know, that that's a part of it, and, you know, it kind of started that way. And, um, you know, as, as uh, more people come out and say that they're going to support me, uh, it's, it's really changing. Um, you, you start looking at the, you know, that there's people that aren't convinced with the way uh, she voted for Trump's nominees, and then she says, well, Trump's president, We, you know, and I'm not for any more divide-and-conquer tactics out there where we just delay and, and, and you know, all that, but it's her specifically is, in my opinion, like I say, uh, campaign finance reform. She's in there with everyone else, and that's uh, a big part of it. And we need to make sure that she's being accountable and, uh, you know, having debates, having town halls. I 
watched her town hall today. She she did pretty good, but she does not support a Medicaid for all system as the 64% of people that came out and supported Bernie Sanders in the caucus last year. 701 I'm sorry, people need a, a voice. Oh, sorry. Um, that, that's what I'm trying to represent. The people that, you know, uh, came and showed up and then, you know, let's let's give them a candidate and let's try to get them to come to convention because now there's also a process. And if you want to talk about that, we can touch on that real quickly, the, the process to be, uh, you know, if if the party gets behind me. Well, yeah. Well, t- well tell me that. T- t- tell me about that process. Okay. So another th- Okay. So you have to go to con- between now and convention. I have to convince the chairs for the Democratic or Democratic Nonpartisan League in North Dakota of each district to bring people to the convention and have them either vote for me. Oh, you know, I'll try to convince them to vote for me, obviously, but Senator Heidkamp will have her people, uh, bringing people to convention to vote for her, and then there'll be a vote to see uh, who the state party gets behind between the March convention and the primary in June. So right now we're taking it to convention, and we're giving all these new chairs, and that's kind of a dual position I hold as I stepped up to be chair of District 28, you have all these rural districts like District 28 that have senators like Robert Erbley for two decades, and there's just nobody on the Dem side doing anything. But that's happening across the party is these rural districts are people are coming out of the woodworks and becoming chairs, and and we're stepping up, and we're all kind of on the same page with the message we're bringing. One thing I heard from people at, at the recent reorganization of the Democratic Party in Bismarck, one thing I heard from a lot of the Democrats who were talking to me was that there is a dissatisfaction with the way the party has gone in the past. There's a, there's a, they want to shift away from identity politics. I keep hearing that a lot. And, and Brandon Delvo, who was a legislative candidate for the Democrats out in District, District 2, that was something that he said in a letter. Do you think that North Dakota Democrats have been focused on the right issues over the last several years? Um, yes and no. I mean, I, I think, you know, getting away from the, the national politics, that that's not really a, a state party issue. I mean, if you look at the state party, we've had a different chair every every uh, state chair election for the last how many years on the Democratic side. I mean, Kylie Overson, she, this is their first time running for re-election. Plus, she was a legislator. I mean, it's really it went from a party of trying to find people to all of a sudden here comes people out of the woodworks and you know we're we're not trying to focus on Washington and national politics. Uh, we're we're trying to uh, reform the party from within and uh, bring back our nonpartisan league roots. Doesn't real quick, and and then we got to go. Give me the details of where people could find information about the rally in uh, in Bismarck on Thursday. Well, if you go to my Facebook page, uh, Real ND News, um, that's where the event is based out of. Um, I'm the admin on that page and the host of the rally. I got the uh, legal permits. It's a legally permitted deal, Rob, so we don't got to worry about that, um, <laughs> from the Capitol. And, uh, yeah, go to the uh, Real ND News page and subscribe to the events. Go to the event, like it, and check out the posts. I've been uh, putting up videos and taking posters around the state. I sent out a uh, letter to the editor to quite a few newspapers. So, um, yeah, I'd like to get some more people on there and hopefully uh, we have a good turnout well you didn't send that letter to me if you want to send it to me i'd be happy to publish it as well dustin good luck sure going ahead thank you that's dustin payer this is the rob report here on 970 wday 701-293-9000 888-970-9329 email talk at wday.com don't go away we'll be right back
Welcome back, Rob Report. Here on 970 WDAY, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. It's amazing to me that we're talking about the 2018 Senate race in April of 2017. Just to put that into perspective, the last time North Dakota had a truly competitive Senate race was 2012, the last time Heidi Heitkamp was on the ballot. She announced in that race, it was an open seat, uh, because Senator Kent Conrad was stepping down. She announced in that race, she didn't announce until November of 2011. So that would be, what, like seven, six, seven months later than, than where we're at today. So we're we're six or seven months ahead of where we were in the 2012 cycle in 2017. And it's, I, I guess what it illustrates is just how worried Democrats are about keeping Senator Heitkamp's seat. I, I, I know in the last week, obviously, you know, they ramped up the attacks on on Kevin Kramer. We had, um, you know, audio from radio shows about him saying things about Sean Spicer and Hitler, including this show. Um, Sean Spicer and the Holocaust thing and all all the other stuff. And, you know, Heidi's leaking her uh, her fundraiser. Somebody did her her fundraising numbers to the press before they're filed with the FEC. Um, all sorts of stuff. I mean, so we've we've really got a big jump on this. Now, the interesting thing about it is that, you know, Heidi Heitkamp getting challenged from the left, I, I think that's only going to help her, right? I, I, I wrote a post about this earlier today. Heidi Heitkamp's smartest move, I, I, I think what, what is more likely to contribute to her possible victory in, in 2018, if she does win, if she does, I guess she hasn't officially even announced yet for 2018, but I think she's running. And what will help her more than anything, all the attacks on Kevin Kramer, all the attacks on Republicans, all that other stuff, none of that's going to matter. The Planned Parenthood thing, none of that stuff's going to matter more than Heidi Heitkamp being good friends with Donald Trump. And it's it's making... Her enemies among Democrats, you hear she's got a primary challenger, and in part the reason why he's challenging, and, uh, you know, good luck to him. I don't. It's going to be an uphill climb, an uphill battle for him, but but he said a reason why he was challenging was because of Heitkamp's votes on Trump's nominees. So you have, you know, Heitkamp mostly voting for Trump's cabinet nominees. You have Heitkamp voting for Trump's Supreme Court nominee. You have Heidi Heitkamp of the Grand Forks Herald just last month talking about how Trump is a lot like her talking about how she's, you know, uh, you know, she, she's close to them. I, in fact, I was talking with a Republican strategist who works here in North Dakota over the weekend. And one thing that he told me was that what really helped Heidi Heitkamp heading into 2018 was all the speculation about her potentially going to work for Donald Trump. So it's it's kind of funny because when I talk with my Democrat friends, they're all out there. Oh, Trump's going to hurt Republicans in the midterms, right? Because that's the conventional wisdom: is the president's political party always does worse in the midterms. But I don't think that's going to be true. I don't think Trump is going to hurt Republicans very much in North Dakota. But if he does, it's going to be to the extent that he helps Heidi Heitkamp by making her look like exactly the sort of pragmatic, centrist Democrat that can get elected in North Dakota. And it's funny to me how many Democrats, far-left Democrats in North Dakota, don't get that. More coming up straight ahead. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. This is The Rob Report. Don't go away. 
Welcome back, Rob Report, here on 970 WDAY. Did you have a good Easter, Natil? I did. I'm sort of getting used to wearing double braces on both of my wrists. I've I've gone and done the uh, keyboard typers carpal tunnel thing to myself, apparently. I've got some tendinitis going on. You know what you should try? <laughs> We're completely off topic. I don't know what sort of keyboard you have. Try a mechanical keyboard. Have you tried one of those? I have not tried a mechanical keyboard. The keyboard I have at home is an ergonomic keyboard and works yeah. very well, but I do less typing at home than I do at work, so maybe I, I should get myself a, a work keyboard. Yeah, I don't I don't like the ergonomic ones. Never. I, obviously, I type a lot. Um because of what I do for a living, blog, you know, pumping out blog posts and all that stuff. You don't Mecha- say. <laughs> mechanical keyboard works. It, it has been a revelation for me. Um, and it, it works so much better. It, it, it's actually an old school keyboard. Like, it's the old super clicky ones. Yeah, they, they, have from... a, they have a very distinct feel and sound. Yeah. And, and, and I find myself, because with the other ones, I was pushing so hard with my fingers. It was making my hands so sore. The mechanical keyboard has just it's been a revelation for me. Um so anyway, there's your tip for today. Try it, try it out. See if it works for you. But I will see what I can do. So It's been fantastic for me. It really helped. All right. Uh, we were talking about Heidi Heitkamp before the break. We were. And I, I just wanted to make one, one last point about that. I, I think it's funny. She has been helped in a big way by Donald Trump. I know all we're hearing sort of from the left side of politics in North Dakota is how horrible Donald Trump is. He's America's own Hitler, uh, you know, the way you hear some people talk about him. He's a white nationalist. He's racist. He's everything else. But he may be the margin of victory for Heidi Heitkamp in 2018. And the reason why is it really helped her for a president who won 64% of the vote in North Dakota to say, hmm, maybe Heidi Heitkamp somebody I want in my cabinet. Now, ultimately, she wasn't picked, obviously. But she went and visited Donald Trump, right? All, all that. Remember that from from like January, right? All that that coverage, and even over the holidays, um, all of that coverage. You know, could Heidi Heidi can't be in the cabinet? Kevin Kramer had some of it too, but it's less beneficial for Kramer because he's a Republican. He was a longtime, you know, Trump supporter. People expected that. People were surprised that Heidi Heitkamp was in that mix, and that is going to help her in 2018. And I find that hugely ironic, given what. Democrats, what Heidi Heitkamp's party thinks of Donald Trump. Um, and it's it's in order for Heidi Heitkamp to win in North Dakota, she is not going to campaign on anything that's even approaching the platform of the North Dakota Democratic Party. She's just not. She's going to be closer to a platform that if you closed your eyes, you could associate with, say, a John Hoven or a Jack Dalrymple, somebody like that. That's how she's going to campaign. And if she wins, that'll be why. She will win because she is not like the rest of the North Dakota Democratic Party. That's why she is the only candidate who has won in North Dakota on the statewide ballot since the 2008 election. That's just reality. And I find it around. I mean, I'm I'm laughing. I think it's funny. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. All right. Now let's shift. Let's talk about the budget situation. I thought Mike McFeely had a, a really good column this morning, basically saying, you know, let's call this what it is. It's fiscal mismanagement, and he's right. North Dakota Republicans blew it 
on state spending. Now, this is topical because we're coming into the last week of the legislative session. They'll probably be wrapping up, if not by Friday this week. You know, I've, I've heard they want to try to be done Saturday. Um, you know, they're actually thinking about working Saturday this week if they don't get their work done if they feel like they're close they're probably instead of sending everybody home and bringing them back again they're probably going to work saturday otherwise it'll be early next week probably when they wrap it up and what we're going to see is dramatic budget cuts and what's you know we're, we're hearing you know the you know about all the horrible cuts all, all the typical politics we see anytime government cuts budgets right it's terrible sky is falling everything's awful What's interesting, though, is that spending was absolutely the problem here. I, I, I know there's a talking point out there about how Republicans cut taxes too far. And it's a little hard to believe the income tax cuts that passed were pretty modest. The oil tax reform, which was the other big tax reform under Republicans, actually increased since it was implemented in January 2016, actually increased the amount of revenues the state of North Dakota has, correct, has collected by about a half a billion dollars. So... It's not taxes, it's it's spending. And and what happened is 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 they had a tidal wave of revenue coming in because we had an oil boom because we had high crop prices. Tidal wave of revenue came in. And then they spent it all. That's that's pretty much it in a nutshell. According to data from legislative council, and by the way if you go to the legislative website they have all these graphs and everything on there. Budget and fiscal trends is a document that's worth looking at. According to Legislative Council, the average biennial general fund increase, the general fund, of course, being basically the state's checkbook, the average biennial general fund increase in spending from the 2007-2009 biennium through the 2015-2017 biennium, which is the one we're in now, it ends June 30th, the average biennial increase was 25.3%. And what that means essentially is that over the last decade, we averaged a 25% increase in state spending every two-year budget cycle. That's over five cycles. So for five consecutive budget cycles, we increased spending by 25%. In 2007-2009, before the oil boom, general fund spending in the north state of North Dakota was $2.5 billion. That was the general fund. At the peak of the oil boom, and by the way, remember that that 25% increase, more than 25% increase per biennium? That, that, that's including all the budget cuts that they already put in place for the current biennium. That's including that, despite those cuts. We cut spending in the current biennium by about $1.2 billion. Even despite that, the average biennial increase was 25%. In 2007, 2009, 2.57, 4.3 or 2.57 billion was the general fund spending number. By 2013, 2015, the peak of the oil boom, we were at $6.879 billion. That's more than doubling the general fund budget. More than double. In four budget cycles, we more than doubled the budget. That's the problem. They overspent. Now, Republicans will defend themselves, and they'll say, well, Democrats would have spent more. That's, that's probably accurate. They probably would have. I remember back during the budget years as Republicans were engaging in an orgy of profligacy 
The Democrats were on the sidelines throwing rocks at them, saying you should have spent more. Should spend more on roads, should spend more on the oil patch, should spend more on property tax relief, all this other stuff. Should have spent more. That's what they were saying. And then the Republicans will say, and if Democrats were in charge right now, they'd want to raise taxes. And that also is true. Right? We're hearing it right now. Republicans cut taxes too much. Your taxes should have been higher. I don't know about the rest of you, but I feel like in a state that very much needs to diversify from energy and agriculture-based economies, tax increases are the last thing we need. If you want to diversify, you got to keep taxes low. North Dakota's got a lot to overcome. We are not perceived as a very nice place to live because of our weather and a lot of other things. It's unfortunate. It's unfair. It's not true. North Dakota's a wonderful place, but that is a perception we have to overcome. It becomes harder to overcome if we have high taxes. So Republicans are right. Democrats probably would have spent more during the oil boom, and they'd probably want to raise taxes now to fix the problem. But here's the thing. What Democrats might have done had they been in power is irrelevant. What Republicans did do with the power that they had is they overspent. They spent irresponsibly, and now we're paying the price for it, and that is their fault. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Love to hear if you agree or disagree. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. With this We had a bunch of these uh, rallies over uh, Donald Trump's tax returns. And, and you know, the thing I, I, I'm watching this, and I, I don't normally comment on national politics a lot here on the show or on the blog, because I figure there's already enough people flapping their gums about that stuff. Um, I like to focus on North Dakota. But I, I think it's interesting, the stuff with the tax returns. And the reason why I think it's interesting is because Trump keeps refusing to release it, right? And it's sort of the same thing that, that Barack Obama did with his birth certificate thing, right? Now, I, I was never a birther. I thought the whole thing was ridiculous. President Obama was a United States citizen. I think that was clear from the get-go. But there was a contingent of people, Donald Trump among them. So perhaps he has an appreciation of the tactic more so than anybody else who just you know kept demanding that, that the president release his birth certificate. And then one day, well into President Obama's time in office he released the birth certificate and guess what it turned out to be a big nothing burger right so so we had all these people screaming and crying oh president obama release your birth certificate release your birth certificate why isn't he releasing his birth certificate what is he trying to hide and then finally at an opportune moment president obama releases it and makes them all look like fools yeah, but at the same it, time, this seems really different to me. It doesn't. It, it, it doesn't. I, well, m- maybe. I, the birth certificate thing is a little bit more conspiracy monger type thing. Presidents releasing their tax returns is, is a more typical thing. But I wonder if there isn't going to come a point where Trump's not going to release them and it's going to be a big nothing. Well, and that's that's probably it. Honestly, I don't think there's anything in his taxes that he's necessarily hiding The difference that I see between this and the birth certificate situation is that Donald Trump said he would release his taxes 
and he hasn't. President Obama didn't bring up the birth certificate thing on his own. Right. That got brought up by conspiracy theorists and people that wanted to find a way to discredit him. Trump brought up the taxes thing on his own. Yeah. I, and the thing is, is I, I think he enjoys the protests about it. I, 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 think, for, I think for President Trump, I, I think the more he has angry progressives marching in the street... It's just another thing to, to point to, right? I mean, it's 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 almost like it's proving everything that conservatives feel about liberals that they're angry and intolerant. You know, I I, I don't know. I mean, I I think he just I think he believes it's politically advantageous to have people out marching in the street talking about his tax returns. Well, and that's probably you know that's probably true. I don't think that if politically, I'm now yeah. I'm not saying I, I think you should release him. I don't see any reason why not to release him. I think it's baloney that he's not. I'm a transparency guy. I think he ought to release him. But by not releasing him, it's it's like he's he's feeding something that's that's very much he's throwing wood on a bonfire that is very much the sort of thing he wants burning. And the same reason that President Obama was well served by all the idiots who went on and on and on about his birth certificate. Well, and if Trump has proven to be if if Trump has proven to be one thing in his time in the political sphere, it's that he's pretty politically savvy for somebody who's not a politician. So I think I I think you're right when you say that he wouldn't be doing this if he didn't if there wasn't some advantage to him to continue to not release the taxes. I I, I think there is. I I think so often people look at this conventionally. And I I think for for Donald Trump, because he doesn't care. He doesn't care if you say, oh, Donald Trump's a hypocrite on government transparency. or something. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Donald Trump doesn't care about being ideologically consistent or any of that stuff, because I don't think Donald Trump. He, he's not a policymaker, right? He didn't run to be a public servant. He's a celebrity candidate, and he ran to be a celebrity president. And, you know, this is advantageous to him. This Politically, this is advantageous to him, and to him, that's that's all that matters. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not necessarily defending it. I'm just saying that's kind of what it looks like to me, is that th- this is just keep him angry, keep him marching in the streets, because that helps me. And I think he's probably right. Politically, I think he's probably right. These midterm elections are going to be very interesting. Um, mostly because Donald Trump has proven... Uh, the political conventional wisdom is that the political party of the president typically doesn't do so well in the first midterm election of that president's term, right? We saw that with President Obama um, Although I guess it took him, it wasn't necessarily 2010, right? It really wasn't until later that, that he really began to see a backlash. But, but typically, that's the conventional wisdom. But the thing with Trump is, is there is no conventional wisdom anymore. There is no conventional wisdom. And by the way, uh, snapping back to what we were talking about with Heidi Heitkamp and Donald Trump, um, I think Heidi Heitkamp's chances in 2018 are very much tied to President Trump, and they're very much tied to her playing nice with Donald Trump because that's the sort of thing that's going to get her elected. Now, the wild card in all that, and, you know, depending on whether or not Kevin Kramer runs, and he may not, but if he does run, Kramer was a pretty early proponent of Donald Trump. If Donald Trump comes in and lowers the boom on Heidi Heitkamp like he is prone to do, we all know how he goes about it, you know, that could destroy a lot of sort of the goodwill that she built up with 
being considered for his cabinet, you know, being rah, rah, rah as he rolls back Obama-era regulations that the energy industry and the agriculture industries didn't like so much, um, you know, voting to confirm his cabinet nominees for the most part, voting to su- confirm his Supreme Court justice. Uh, you know, that's that's going to help her unless Trump himself turns on her. Then she could be in trouble. But for right now, Heidi Heitkamp's looking pretty strong. Her approval ratings at 60%, according to Morning Consult. Um, you know, I right now, she does not look like an easy mark for Republicans. Certainly not the easy mark that a lot of Republicans seem to think that she would be. Of course, she had that narrow victory in 2012. She barely won. But since then, she has spent a lot of time posturing herself into a very strong position going to be interesting to see what happens but we are so so early in the 2018 election season it's unavoidable to talk about it because stuff keeps happening so someone like me has got to bring it up jay thomas show coming up next we'll stick i'll stick around to uh join jay for the first part of that remember you can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m monday through friday or 24 hours a day seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com thanks for listening we'll talk again